You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is On Principle Challenges in Jewish Education. Uh, I'm here again, and I'm so happy to hear, be here with Rabbi Shmulskast, my colleague, good friend, and the Rosh Hashiva of the Yeshiva of Newark. Uh, Rabbi Skaist, uh, you sent me something uh, last week. Uh, it's a, and from what I've understood from you and from others, that this is a, a video that's gone viral. Uh, it's part of, it seems like a series that Yisrael Besser, who is a columnist for Mishpacha, uh, lives uh, stationed in Montreal, uh, something called The Real World, where it seems like he addresses his audience in sort of two-minute clips about inspiring messages, and he had one that he thought was uh, very inspiring, and it seems like the the Torah world agreed uh, by dint by the amount of times this video has been forwarded and has been listened to. So let's take a listen to it, and I want to, you know, you, you sent it to me for my responses. Let's listen to it together, and let's hear what you have to say about it. Good evening, and welcome to the real world. Normally we don't do these clips midweek, but sometimes you hear something like in the news organizations, they have stopped the presses and breaking news. Sometimes you hear something that's so inspiring. It's not just to get this Hashem. It's important for us to know that we live in the world, we breathe the same air, and sometimes we're even in the same room of such Eden. It's important for us to know. Chashverav in the tri-state area was dealing with a, with a couple, with the Shalom Bayes issue last week, and he felt that, that they could be helped. And he sent, he suggested that the husband go speak to God of Israel. So he thought that the husband should go speak to Shmuel Kamenetsky Shlit to the Philadelphia Rosh Hashiva. And he called up and he made an appointment. And he was given an appointment for this, for this man for this past Sunday. Sunday, 5 p.m. in Philadelphia, the appointment was set up. And the husband, who was, who was meant to meet Rosh Shmuel, drove this Sunday to Philadelphia. And he got there 5 p.m. on time. Comes to the house. The Shiva welcomes him. He says, yeah, we're meeting now. Can I ask you a type of Shmuel says? Do you mind if we talk in the car? I have to visit somebody in the hospital. And if it's possible, if we could conduct our conversation in the car rather than at home, would that be a problem for you? So the visitor says, no, that's fine. I'm happy to drive to Rosh Hashiva. So he says, great. And they go into the car and they have the conversation on the way to the hospital. When they reach the hospital, Shmuel says, I have to go in and visit somebody. And if you don't mind waiting, I'm happy. We could continue the conversation when I come back. Sure. Shmuel comes back an hour later. And he says, I, I apologize. It took me so long. I was saying goodbye to my wife. And then Rishmuel stops and says, now that my Echi of Shalom Bayes is ending, yours is the beginning. Let's talk about you. That's the story I heard and confirmed. The Rechaim Kaddish says in this week's parasha that what's the, what's the big deal, the big ASIC of Meishu Aveinu and Klai Yisrael splitting the, splitting the sea, splitting the Amsof. We find that the Gemara that Tanam, Pinchas Ben Yair, was able to split a sea. So the Rechaim Kaddish says to split the sea after Matan Tayyar is no big deal. So to speak, which is doable because the Torah gives a person to rise above nature. It gives a person extraordinary supernatural kaiches. Ma'ish Rabbeinu was able to split the sea before the Yamsa, before Kriya's Yamsa, before Matan Torah. The Torah makes a big Isaac out of it. After Matan Torah, when a person has a kaiches of Torah, it's important for us to realize, to tell ourselves and to tell our children, the Torah gives a person a yid who's harving and learning for 80 years, 85 years. Kanaina Harish, Vigazantan Stark of Shmuel, has that ability to rise above every single natural barrier, challenge, and hurdle possible, and and live in a world of like what the Chazanish says, malachim uh, angels in the guise of men. He should be gazant and stark, and we should have some. 
So that's it, Rishmul. Um, I, I know. I felt like your response and your reaction was actually more consistent with what many uh, in the uh, Haredi world responded to that to, to that video. And uh, I think that that's actually a good place to start because. Um, so I, if you don't mind, I'm going to. All right, I, I'll read. Back. I'll read my responses then. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a very heavy uh, tech uh, program here. Okay. Um, my response, and I quote myself. <laughs> I'm extremely impressed, uh, but not surprised, as Rav Shmuel is known to be such an elevated person. Uh, a similar story is told about Rav Chaim Oizer and the death of his child, and a visitor who broke into his house to speak with him. By the way, just adding, it's a great story because the guy, uh, the person who was coming to speak to Rav Chaim Oizer had to really go through almost like Mission Impossible feats to be able to get into the house, to be able to get into the back window and find Rav Chaim Oizer in the back room. Um, and, and et cetera. And again, Rechaim Moiser did not give him any indication that his son had just died and he was, or his daughter, and he was talking to him and dealing with his issue and his question, you know, like an incredible gentleman and like an incredible feeling person. Um, um, I suppose you're wondering if these stories sets the bar too high. Uh, it, of course, needs to be remarked that the Rebbitson was elderly. Rav Shmuel might have long resigned himself to her eventual death. Um, I'd like to believe, however, that the bar is not so high. Wouldn't you, Rabbi Skaist, when greeting someone who had made a two-hour trip, be kind and gracious and not shock them with the news immediately? That was my response. Okay. And I think that that is a, uh, one of the typical responses uh, that, that, uh, that we hear. And um, I want to start by saying that I have a lot of respect for um, Suli, uh Besser, I think that he uh, he writes well and uh, he often makes some very good points. And I want to be careful by saying that this is my reaction is not uh, really about him, but it's about what his his uh, telling that story represents in the from world. And quite honestly, what your reaction and the reaction of others who react like you, Rabbi Kivalevich, um, uh, represents. And I think it's I think it represents a mistake and a distortion in thinking. And I have several points. I'm going to make a bunch of them, and you, you, might, uh, you might ask me to repeat them here and there because I, I, I'm just going to spill it out. I've got about five or six points that I think are very important. All right. Number let's, one. Let, let's unleash the, the Gatling gun and start firing. <laughs> okay. Number one, people grieve differently. And the idea of holding up one person's way of grieving or one person's response to, the, uh, uh, to an incredible loss as a paradigm of what is ideal is extremely dangerous and hurtful to pretty much everyone because everyone grieves differently. So yet there might be uh, another person who would have a, a very different reaction and then they're going to remember this story or the story of Rav Chaim Ezer, and then they're going to feel, okay, well, you know, I'm not a God of Yisrael or I didn't reach that high level. Even when in your language, when you spoke about it, you talked about the high level. Who says it's high? This is a, uh, a, a you know, everyone's reaction is different. Now, let's assume, again, assuming we're talking about mortal human beings here who have emotions, just like the rest of us. Um, that is, uh, so that's number one. The idea that his reaction is to be put on a, he- a pedestal, it's hurtful to people who may see their own reactions as wrong. That's, that's number one. Number two, the idea that it is somehow a high level or some level of kedusha to transcend emotions is, in my opinion, unhelpful and damaging 
to the rest of the, to, to, to human beings. So all of us human beings who have a whole bevy of emotions, loss is real, grief is real, emotions are real. Yes, it is a high level to reach, to be able to recognize when we have those emotions and to be able to allow them and to channel them in a healthy way. That is something that very highly developed people do. The idea that that can only happen through Torah is wrong. I myself have met, and I would be willing to bet that you as well have met, human beings who are not from Jews, who did not gain this ability through Torah. So the idea of claiming that the path to enlightenment in terms of being at peace with our emotions and being able to um, uh, deal with our emotions in a healthy way, assuming that this is even a healthy reaction, but let's Let's give him that. I'm not going to judge for Shmuel's emotions, but I'm just going to say it's one of a, a, a whole bunch of reactions that could happen. And the idea that that could only happen through Torah is just simply wrong. Number three, uh, men and women grieve differently. There have been many studies on this. Men grieve by distracting themselves. It is a natural, normal thing. If you ask a man, how would, uh, you know, your friend lost his wife six months ago. How would you go and help him deal with it? The man will answer nine times out of 10. I'll go over, we'll, I'll take him out to eat. We'll go to a ball game. We'll, uh, you know, we'll do something together, right? You ask a woman, how are you going to help your friend who lost her husband six months ago? She'll say, I'll cook some good food, bring it over, and we'll sit and talk about it. Whether, you know, the modern world is, is, is uh, trying desperately to show that men and women are the same, and we're not going to get into the argument of whether this is a socialized difference or an, in, or an inborn uh, difference, but the bottom line is, in all studies, it shows men and women grieve differently. So it, I, I ask you, is this not a classic male way of grieving by distracting or Shmuel is in a very difficult situation. You're right. They're married many years. She may have been sick for a while. I don't know. He may have resigned himself to her death. And therefore, his way of dealing with it is by distracting himself. I think it's wonderful that he distracts himself instead of going to a ball game or going to hang out with a friend. He distracts himself by doing what he does best, which is being involved in Tzorchei Tzibur. That is a beautiful thing. But it is not indicative of somehow some sort of uh, ubermensch uh, reaction uh, to, to, to the grief. Um, number... <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not taking notes. I'm just enjoying your enthusiasm. Go ahead. <laughs> another thing. Another thing. Here, here's what happened. I, I, did, I did a little a quick search on this, and I found this very interesting anecdote that a woman who did some good research on grief uh, says. She says, you know, uh, everyone thinks that their, their way of grieving is right and the other person's is wrong or, the, or, or has some notion of what the right way to do it is. For example, uh, this woman had a, uh, a support group for grandparents who had lost a grandchild. So one grandparent gets up and says, my daughter has pictures of her child all over the house, you know, and, and wherever you turn, there's a picture of the, of the child who passed away. She's not moving on. Another grandparent gets up and says, my daughter has no pictures of her child anywhere in the house. There's no recognition that she existed. She's not moving on. Okay, so, so I challenge you, and this is what I would challenge uh, Surly Besser as well. I am convinced 100% that if the story had gone in the exact opposite direction, supposing this guy had come, and again, by the way, I'm not even dealing with the question of as if like 
the, the, the appointment couldn't have been canceled. Like, let, let's understand, the person was driving two hours from New York or whatever it was, and whoever, but okay, we're not going to go there. But let's assume that the guy came and Rashmul really intended and wanted to give him the time and to not allow his wife's death to get in the way. But let's say he couldn't do it and he broke down and cried. Wouldn't that same story be told with the same enthusiasm? What an amazing Gugglebi Israel who teaches us how deeply you have to feel for your wife that even though your whole life is Ibrigigeben to the Tzarchet Sibur, but in that moment, I'm sorry, as important as Tzarchet Sibur is, your wife is more important. And wouldn't that be held up on the same exact pedestal? When you have a story that no matter how it goes, it's put on a pedestal, then I'm sorry, but you can't really learn anything from that story. So that's my opening salvo. Okay. <laughs> Look, I have not thought about it as deeply, but I do have some response to what you're saying now. Um, first of all, I've met Rav Shmuel uh, a number of times. And I have to tell you, um, despite some faux pas that he perhaps made in some statements, and then there are people who will never forgive him for those, uh, for those statements, uh, I always enjoyed my interaction with him and I found him so human. Uh, I met him the first time um, in uh, the mid-70s when he came to uh, be the, um, the arts investigator and uh, discoverer of, of the yeshiva that I was learning it with Rabbi Yochanan Zweig in Miami. And I remember him sitting down next to me in the shear and talking to me and, and, and having a conversation with me. And here was, you know, the Philadelphia yeshiva, even, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, 50 years ago, but still uh, he was a person, of, you know, of, 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 of great presence uh, and a great humor. Um, I, I had this close to know his father as well, who spent time in Florida and, um, and, and, and what I was so struck by was how normal he was. Um, you know, of course, and again, we're not talking, we're not telling tales. He had a shutif who was a, a, a radical. His shutif was a radical human being. And maybe he, they needed this yin and the yang for Philly to be this great yeshiva. But Rav Elia was like, and, and you saw that at the end. And Rav Shmuel was this measured person. That's what I, again, justify my response. He, I've always had great respect for him as, as a mensch. And, and he was not, I'm just the yeshiva, Rosh Yeshiva, and, you know, you know I'll have Rabbi Srotskin that I'm going to. Um, and, and I hear this even from, uh, from, from students in, who have been in Philly recently. You know, he's, he retired from being the Rosh Yeshiva. Another great, in my mind, right? We had a, a, a old program, you might remember, called Partsufib, where we talked about at that time, the Pope had stepped down. And we said, you know, Rosh Hashiva should do the same thing. It, doesn't it make sense, right? And, and Rav Shmuel, in a sense, although people are still, you know, trying to get him to be Mr. Moetzis, he realized, hey, I don't have the energy to be the Rosh Hashiva, and, and I'm going to let my kids take care of it. And, and, and he sort of was like was in the office puttering around when I went on an arts interview, when I was representing arts. And here I was meeting Rav Shmuel, and he was, you know, like, you almost would expect him to be sitting there with his shirt sleeves uh, pulled up, schmoozing with the, with the secretary, which is what he was doing. He, he, he was in his jacket. He was in his somewhat of a jacket, but and, and, and people have told me, young students have told me that they always, that they, Rav Shmuel, they go over and they speak with him and he's so friendly and, and wonderful. So let, let's remember that we're talking about somebody who I think has had an incredible father and spent years 
perfecting. Uh, now, I, I don't think he's an automaton. Whether he aligns to the standard aspect of how men are disconnected, I, I, I would like to give him the benefit of the doubt that he is an emotional feeling person, just like Rabbi Yaakov was. And again, it, it, anyone who reads Emes Lyakov or ever spent time with Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky knows what sort of feeling human being he was, how he stressed the menschlichkeit. I mean, he was the voice of normalcy in, in America. I have no reason to assume, and my interactions with Shmuel tell me that. So here's a person who, who stresses menschlichkeit and, 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 and knows how important it is the other person who isn't on his madrega. So therefore, I don't assume that he wasn't torn up inside. Again, as I wrote originally, I assume he is a person smart enough. If it was, I don't know how Rebbitz and Tema, I don't know if it was a sudden thing, if it was a sudden collapse, but, but I would assume that he had made peace with this as a Baal Musr would, as a, as, as a, as a, 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 a scion of the Slobodka Musr would. And there is this balance between Seiko and Lev, between Regesh and Moach, however you want to talk about. And I have no reason to assume that he isn't inside extremely feeling extremely about Regesh, and yet recognizing that you can't allow your Regoshim to push your way to, uh, and, and sort of like get in the way of somebody else who isn't there. So uh, it, it, let me answer your last question first. If he would have broken down, I would have been disappointed because the Rav Shmuel that I knew was someone who was, who was, he was, and Rav Elia or others, no, <laughs> but Rav Shmuel was someone who was constantly aware of the other people around him. 16-year-old Kivalevich, he was aware of. He schmoozed with me like I was his Chavrusa uh, all those years ago. He was aware of that. And, 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 and I have no reason to assume that that wasn't, that still not his, was his modus operandi. Um, so, I, and, and therefore, I agree with you that who could be Rav Shmuel? And what do we gain from the story? You know, even if you take my take on it, that he is this elevated person, what you, you're saying, but now you're cowering all the other people who can't be that. You're, you're almost like making people feel guilty for being emotional and not having that type of strength. Well, uh, let's talk about all stories of Gedolim that we have, starting from, uh, you know, maybe even Sipuri HaTorah, <laughs> maybe even Avram Avinu at the Akeda, and, and taking it all through Maimari Chazal, and all through Gedolim stories and things that they say over. And I would, you know, again, Besser is obviously a tapping into something that today we could tell Gedolim stories uh, and use them as a pedagogical, pedagogical device for even today's time. And when you're able to not just mention, well, there was a Gadol called Ratzadak Akoyan who, who was in uh, Europe and he, he didn't, he, he never had a pruta to his name and he wrote a hundred svarim. And okay, well, that doesn't relate so much to me. I don't even know who that person is and I'm not living in Europe. So when Besser is able to put onto the table something from today, it resonates more. And a person, I, I would say, Rishmul, um would be, Yes, that's not me, but it's pretty, like, again, it's pretty incredible what living a, 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 dig, a, a, a disciplined Torah life can do. Now, let's go back to your, the next to the last thing that you said. You said, you know, plenty of people could do it without Torah. 
people who are even non-believers who have this incredible ability to do that. And don't, don't, Besser, where are you using this Arachayim HaKadosh to say, this is what Torah is able to do. Now, let's, let's agree. There's something called Hasidei Umasa'ola, right? There are people that have been able to do amazing things. Isn't one of the great gifts of the Torah that, that God allows us to become that, that type of person through the means of Torah and ideas that are contained within there? There's, there's no, I don't deny that, you know, maybe Confucius would have been an incredible person to meet. Maybe you know, Siddhartha uh, would have been someone that, that we all could have learned from. Um, Abraham Lincoln, who, although had the Bible, didn't have Torah Shabal Peh, was would probably be a more sage and wonderful Rosh Hashiva than anybody alive today, had he been, uh, I, I would say. Alpha Piquet, those are exceptional. And it's great to know that it's out there, but we have a gift, like Moses Mendelssohn said, you know, maybe we need it. You know, when Mendelssohn was asked by Lavater and all the priests, what do you need the Torah for? There's, there's, there's enlightened ideas everywhere. What do you have to be conscripted to this, to, to, to this ancient text with, with, with all your liturgy and ritual? And he said, well, look, this is a gift that God has given us. Perhaps we need it more. And perhaps because we are genetically predisposed to be this wild, aggressive person, maybe we need this. But I, I don't think Besser is, 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 has, has gone out of his, has done, somehow committed a faux pas that's going to uh, generate um, uh, you know, tension with people because, oh, yeah, you, you may never get there. But Torah does have that ability to strike that, that balance. Um, with, let me just reiterate, a full, emotional, loving human being at the same time, caring, recognizing your role towards other people and being able to, to cry within, to, to grieve within, and yet not cause, not, not blackmail others emotionally to be part of it. I, I, to me, I, I still think it's astounding. Okay. So, okay. Interesting. So first of all, I want to make it very clear that uh, my reaction has nothing to do personally with, with Shmuel Kamenetsky, nor with Sully Besser. Uh, I just want to make that clear. I'm sure Shmuel Kamenetsky is a, a wonderful person. I've heard many wonderful things about him. Uh, Besser, I know, and I think that he's a very fine person. Um, however, I, I would like to say, um, uh, do you know, does the Torah recognize, the Torah which is supposed to teach us how to deal with emotions, that perhaps when somebody dies, a person might have a different reaction than they have the rest of the time. I mean, I'm being facetious here. I know you uh, know. Yeah, yeah. He's, not Mechayv, he's not to Davin Meirev at that moment, right? Uh, 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 undoubtedly. Um, right. So, undoubtedly. so let's just be very clear that the Torah itself recognizes that there's going to be such a wide range of reactions in such a moment that all mitzvahs are put on the side. We're not talking about just a, a you know, this is a, an earthquake moment in a person's life. This is not the average thing. So you're going to tell me the halacha, which is from the Torah, which recognizes the whole range of emotions so much so that all mitzvahs are put on the side. Literally, you're not mechuyev, and you can't, right? I, 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 you can't do mitzvahs. You're not supposed to. Right. Right? right. No, but Rav Shmuel transcended that. And let's hold that up as some sort of a paradigm. I'm sorry, I just don't hear it. I hear it as it's it's to me it's actually kind of weird. I think it's a story that shouldn't be told. 
It shouldn't be publicized. It's well, a again, weird reaction. Well, well, first of all, what you are talking about is an Onain who is, who is as Yerushalmi says, that Torah is Chayim and this is Mace. This is the world of death. And as the Rambam says, that's the reason why uh, a Kohen who is so muzar about being uh, not being metame lemesim is mechuyev to become tame to his seven relatives. We force him to become tame because we know that human beings, and the Rambam says this uh, in Marnavuchim, it's also emphasized by one of the students of the Rambam, although he wasn't actually a physical student, Rabbi David HaKochavi, in his Sefer Abatim, that we had to be matir this because the human being couldn't process it. They need to, right? Similar to what is said about the, uh, the Goal Adam, where we understand what human emotion is. It cannot be legislated. Human emotion cannot be legislated. And there are certain things that are beyond. But, but Rav Shmuel, that's also part of Torah itself. Torah, Torah lets us know that, that, that we recognize that you, can, you cannot be held responsible. And in fact, it's going to be negative for you uh, to, to emotionally clamp yourself down. I, I question, again, whether Rav Shmuel was doing that. You know, to me, you know, I, I would, to me, Rav Shmuel is, 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 is coming from the line of Yisrael Salanter down, which is a person that has re- recognizes, again, I am, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he inside was feeling and caring and was loving and was missing. And look, he, he spent an hour saying goodbye. That's a long time. <laughs> You don't think I'm so? Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. There are many people who would say, um, you know. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a second. Let, 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 let's remember. He was there. When he comes back to the car, is she, has she died? Yes, apparently so. See, I didn't understand it that way. I guess I'm an Amaretz. I don't know. No, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. The point is, the way the story is told, it sets up, a, it's, look, here's the thing. What it sets up is a judgment. And you are saying that you're giving him the benefit of the doubt. And I am obviously on the side that doesn't give him the benefit of the doubt. But my point is not to say that. I'm not trying to not give him the benefit of the doubt. The judgment itself is inherently flawed. You don't judge people's reactions. You don't judge people's emotional reactions, particularly in moments like this. His reaction is his reaction. I don't question it. I'm not trying to impugn it or somehow say that it was wrong. And I, 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 and I recognize that I lean into that direction in response to your, um, your defense of it and your sort of uh, placing on a, on a pedestal. But I keep trying to pull myself back to it. His reaction is his reaction, but it's his, not anyone else's. And we shouldn't be looking at emotional reactions like this and learning from them. It's a mistake. It's a category error. His reactions are his. All human beings are different. There's a range of emotional reactions that happen in grief. This has been studied and looked into, and there is no right way to do it. Okay, well, you know, again, let me ask you, you know, this, both of us have, have tried, uh, sometimes failing, but to make things relevant, to take things away from the crusty, impossible of the past and making it making it alive and real for students the use of sipure maisius the use of 
of, of, of biographies, even if we want to talk about that. Um, you don't deny that there are, as a pedagogical tool, the use of a story about a person is, is, is important for students to somehow grasp a moral idea. Um, there's a reason why, uh, you know, I talked about this recently, uh, Sefer Mishle, which was dedicated to be the book of morals, the book of ethics, the book of how to, right? Really in the Torah, Mishle is, is, is a book that's dedicated to this, right? It's the only, Tehillim is different. Tehillim is, 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 is almost like the raw, um, the raw soul exposed of a person. Uh, and, and maybe you can find words in Tillim that represent your, the rawness that's coursing through you. Um, Eov uh, sets up uh, a, 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 a troublesome possibility of what the world is about, but, but through a dialogue where you almost have a narrator that you're not sure, or, or, or the characters that speak, you're not sure how to trust them. Mishle, on the other hand, is straight Musr. That's what it's about. Straight avodas. This is how you can. That's right. And what's wrong with Mishle? Why doesn't Mishle work? Why don't people learn Mishle? You know what the answer is? There's no story. <laughs> There's no narrative. It's just a bunch of epigrams. It, it's epigrams that you have to try to figure out. Right? I need a story. I need right. I I I can learn from the Akeda. I can learn from Lavan and Yaakov's interaction. I can learn from Yosef and his brothers. We need to be challenged by having the physical representatives of what's supposed to be nobility, what's supposed to be passion, what's supposed to be uh, concern for others. And as human beings, we're not wired to necessarily engage unless we are drawn in that way. So I, I'll ask you, you want to teach. Now, again, you, you, you do, do you, again, whatever Besser's, purposes are, Besser is part of a line of teaching and, and giving over in such a way. And, 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 and I think that, you know, are, are, are any of these stories going to pass muster with you? I think that if you take out your critical uh, pen, I think that you will probably uh, be able to uh, jettison, you know, 90% of, of, of those stories, of whether it's Shivchei Abesht, whether you know it's Aliyah Salio of the Goin, whether it's the Hakdama that they wrote in the last volume of Igris Moshe about Rav Moshe Feinstein's struggles and, and life, uh, whatever it is, I, I think you'll probably be able, with your with your pen and your psychological insight, to probably say, you know, I don't know why why we're doing this, but I think you're going to destroy that pedagogical tool. So. Um... I'm not going to speak about Mishle and Eov and, and et cetera, but let's just talk about the, the world of, of writing today, which is, um, which, is, uh, <laughs> which is something that I can have an opinion on um, or, or, or have a useful opinion on. Uh, I, I do think that there is room for stories and that there is a, stories can be a pedagogical tool. Uh, however, uh, I'll just share with you the reaction of somebody very close to me when I sent him this video of Shuli Besser. Um, and, and, and I want to separate really, and I go back to the video because I think there is a, an educational issue here. The story is one thing. The way that he uses it with the Arachayim afterwards is a second thing. Until he brings in that Arachayim, it's 
I have I have my you know I have my reaction to it, but my reaction is not all that strong. The minute he ties it into transcending uh, teva and ties it into the idea of splitting the sea and 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 so on. So somebody very close to me listened to it. He's listening. He's listening. And then as soon as he says that, he says, "And that is why I will not send my child child to a Haredi school." You understand? It, it is there's something broken in this this leap from uh, uh, a an Arachayim that's talking about uh, I, again. I don't even know what that Arachayim is talking about. I don't know what the Gemara is talking about uh, uh, splitting the sea. I have no personally. I don't. I, I was a different discussion, but you know, I, I don't live in a world of comic book hero characters that can just sort of you know uh, transcend the uh, physics. Uh, I, I don't question that such a thing in theory could be possible, but I'm not so sure that we have to believe that Tanaim and Amarayim, like, is that one of the Yud Gimli Ikarim, or, uh, you know, it's, that we have to believe that they were able to actually do that? Uh, different discussion. But I'm, I'm not convinced, and I, I wonder about those things. But certainly, the leap from talking about something like that to talking about a very particular way of looking at emotions as if somehow emotions are something that must be transcended. The thing, it's just not a healthy way of looking at, at, it's not good educationally. If we had biographies that truly talked about real struggles, that really gave us details, and I understand why they won't write them. I'm not necessarily saying they should, but come on, the biographies that we have, not all, but 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 they leave out some very very important details about struggles and difficulties and mistakes. There's no mistakes in any of these books. Okay. And and how, what are we teaching our children? We're teaching our children they should aspire to be perfect human beings. That doesn't exist. The pursuit of perfection is actually a pursuit of misery. Well, I agree with you, and I agree that as a teacher, the stories that I've been able to give that showed the hero fail and the character having to grow is the one where the students are going to be able to connect to. I go back to Chazal. The Gemara says, Lo hoya roi David la Ela Clearly, David HaMelech represents in his such human failure, his lust, his desire, his wanting to cover up of course, the Chazal are telling us that we need flaws. And with the flaws, we can see greatness. And the flaws, we can see how you can correct. And, and I agree with you. Gedolim stories, Chesidish Gedolim stories, where the Rebbe at two years old is making a bracha over his mother's milk, and he had to turn away, though. Right? That, that's the way the story goes. That he's about to be yoniked from the breast of his mother, but I'll be sorry, he knows that he has to turn away, so he shouldn't see, uh, you know, <laughs> that's the way, I've seen it over and over, right? And that's the way these, these, these people were. Um, I agree with you. Uh, the stories need to have humanity and need to have struggle. And, 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 and that's why many of them, uh, especially for today's uh, audience, uh, ring hollow and actually cause, and I agree with you 100%, that it causes a sense of emptiness, a sense of I'm never going to be able to get there. And this is just so ridiculous. I don't believe it ever happened. And if I do believe it happened, I can never be that. And I'm an insignificant worm. However, when you hear 
again, whether it's it's Eva um, in Kamenitz, who was an American boy, who, uh, who um, he was Nifter last year. And, oh, here's the big story, that he was raised not from or not so from in Pittsburgh, and Bender came and found him, and he was able to bring him. So the struggle is, hey, you weren't religious, and now you became religious. So you were part of that school, and you were a genius, and you were a valedictorian, but thank God you were taken away, and now you could use your super brain uh, to become the Rosh Hashiva and Kamenitz and Eretz Yisrael. Um, those <laughs> that's that, that's like we we can't admit you know in, in the Torah where they can't admit to anything more. What we need is more David Amelov stories, and and even though we say Kolam or David Amelov etc., but we know the Chazal say, well, you know, Rabbi, you said that because you know this is your family. We understand why you're saying that, but but the Torah knew what it was doing. You know, the Tanakh knew what it was doing. So I, I agree with you, but 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 still, the the story should have the ending, right? Now, you're, and, and, and the reason why the kid is not going to become depressed, upset, is because, hmm, but he was, he was a human. Now, he was like me, and wow, he, you know, he was someone that was involved. Look, one of the most famous stories that Rav Shalom Shadron, and by the way, Rav Shalom Shadron, I don't know if you had this close to, to be connected to him. Um, I was. Yeah. So I, I went to him on a frequent basis and, and knew him actually when he came to America. Um, uh, one of one of the uh, the uh, uh, great moments in, in, in my life was when I was walking on, on Shabbos afternoon in Chicago and I was called in to have a minion for Rav Shalom because Rav Shalom wasn't walking so well and they wanted to they had a safer turn in the house. They wanted to make a minion there. And I was with my son at that time. Uh, we only had, we, we were having we were going through some fertility issues and it was, it was my son there was with us. And I mentioned that we were descendants of Rabbi Yosel Asutzker. And uh, Rabbi Yosel Asutzker was a Talmud of Rav Chaim Aloshner, who was, um, Rav Sholem had, had, had a famous version of the story of how Rabbi Yosel Asutzker became Rabbi Yosel Asutzker. And how he became inspired to become a, a tremendous Talmud Chacham. And I remember Rav Sholem saying when we were sitting there, and I mentioned that we were descendants, and, and this is my son, he says, he said in Yiddish, he says, He was saying, you know, I'm the one who came up with the version. And, I, and, and so therefore, after Mincha, he treated everybody in Shalashidus to the version of my great-great-great-grandfather, Rabbi Yosel Tzlitzker, who covered me and my son. And uh, he gave a bracha, by the way, to us that we would, that he would, as I asked her, Shalom, if he should have brothers and sisters. And he said, and, and Baruch Hashem, soon enough, his bracha was Neskayim. But what the great bracha was, not just the bracha of, of, of the fertility of our family, but also he told the story how Rabbi Yosela was a wild child, how Rabbi Yosela wasn't learning, how Rabbi Yosela, the kids didn't know what to do with him. Um, and, that, and, and, that, you know, that, and then when he used to hear children use him, uh, the mother used to hear people in the shuk speaking about him. Oh, do you want your kid to be like she? She she overheard a, a mother disciplining their child and saying, "Do you want to become a yosala? Is that what you want to become?" And somehow you've heard this before too. So somehow when Rav Yosela Slutsker heard this, that was like venom that went through him. Like he was, he realized how how things had become, and that's when he started to try to turn things around. Um, now again, he became 
uh, a prime Talmud of the yeshiva. He became a Rav in Slutsky, wrote Shubas for him. But the fact that he started as a Mishtalel, as a kid squandering his potential, as, as a kid there, makes, as Rav Shalom understood, makes his story effective. I, I don't, I, I disagree with you that, that, that these stories, although they end with the man becoming great, why should that, why should we be afraid to expose our children? As long as we tell them, if we do it in the Rabbi Yosselah, Rav Shalom Shadron style, and we, and, and, and we build it up and we use the same sort of drama, we make it real, th- those could be a, a, such effective methods of, of inspiration. I mean, look, let's talk about in a grub emotion. I, 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 I'm a little bit of a sports aficionado, as you know. I know it's not your, your thing as much. Um, you don't know who's like, I remember which, like, they have the Super Bowl. Oh, there was a Super Bowl. I don't know who was playing. MVP Super Bowl quarterbacks talking about how they were inspired by the stories of other players and what they went through. And, 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 and they consistently, and they talk about how as a kid, they read about it and they thought about it. And, and, and it wasn't a coach who was able to somehow you know, teach them the skills of how to pass and how to recognize a defense. They all refer back to their heroes as kids and zeroing in on that. And that seems to be something that, that, that is necessary. Um, and look, if, Be- if that's what Besser is trying to do, you know, I, I think that, um, he- if that... If that's what he was trying to do, he did a very poor job of it. Uh, you don't tell people that uh, the point of Torah or that a, a big power of Torah is to transcend nature. Uh, you don't help people by telling them that their feelings are just part of nature that you somehow have to aspire to transcend. That's not helpful to people. But, but, but you know, Shmuel, it doesn't mean, look, when, in fact, he's telling you that it's not impossible and it's not over nature. That, the, again, I know the story, Kriyas Yamsuf, you're correct. There needs to be a whole discussion about how we treat Agadita in Chazal. That especially, you know this, because you teach students and all of them are skeptical and believe it's a bunch of fairy tales. You know this. In, in Tells Riverdale, they don't know that. In Philly, they don't know that. In the Cheder, in the Weitzner Cheder, in the in Varetsky's Cheder, they, they believe it as if it's actual true. But you know that the skepticism, that, and, and we need Rabbi Anderson Ivashit's approach, who's willing to take these Chazal and, and learn them in a more meta, in a way that they are a metaphor, but they still teach things in a positive, in a positive way. But the idea of being able to have your emotions in check and care about the other person is that any different than I can't believe it? Brady's forty-four years old, and he can still stand there behind the pocket, hit every guy correctly. There's not a defense he doesn't know. While we've never seen any player like Aaron Rodgers, we've never been seeing even he's able to do things that, that, that other people can't do. We, 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 we hold these people up, even though we know you're not going to. But there's a fundamental error in what you're saying, and that is in football, the rules are defined and clear, and talent is very easily measured. Are you going to say, I was by the gravesite when my, my great aunt, Robertson Ruderman, was put into the kever, and Rav Ruderman was crying and talking to her in, in tremendous, tremendous emotion. So are you going to say that somehow, well, you know, he didn't quite cut it because 
he had an emotional reaction. He was telling her that she was not there. They, and uh, I, I, my father told me afterwards that they asked him why he was saying that. And he said that there's a, there's a, there's a source that the, 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 the uh, mace is confused at the time of Kavura, that it's a confusing time. Okay, so well, wait, 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 you just, you just, uh, you just undercut the proof, no, right? Because he could have said it if he really would have, if he really <laughs> would have wanted to transcend his emotions, he could have just said, um, <laughs> Fega, you're, you're no longer here. He was, he didn't have to be emotional about it. Uh-huh. Well, look. So, my point is, there's no rules here. The, 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 this is not a football game. This is not a, the, 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 what do you call it? The gridiron, right? There's no out of bounds. Yes, the out of bounds would be somebody to be, the Torah tells us what's out of bounds, to rip out your hair, right? And, and to, or to cut yourself out of, out of uh, uh, a strong grief is out of bounds. That's, the, that's what halacha tells us. But to be out of bounds in terms of being able to be overcome your emotions enough to have a meeting with somebody at that moment it's just it's not it i i just i don't agree that that's inspiring it's his reaction he has every right to his reaction and he has every right for that reaction to remain private because it's not a teaching moment it's not a teachable moment well again you know you, you know you bringing in a, a gravesite uh, graphic description is, is very hard for, for anyone to react to. Um, I, I, I'd like to know how Rav Shmuel was at that moment. That would be a, that would be a, a tell. Um, you know, and, and, you're, and maybe Rav Rudiman, who was known to be a, a little bit more of, a, of an emotional person, I saw Rav Rudiman get very upset. I mean, again, Rav Rudiman was a little bit of a firebrand. And, That's exactly <laughs> my point. Emotions are there's no right or wrong. It's not football. Yeah. Well, again, my point is is that is is that there's going to be people that are going to be described just like Rogers and Brady are described in terms beyond, and yet they're just regular people. Uh, it, it, and I think that they can serve as inspiration for young younger talent. When we have these descriptions, they are. They they serve. I don't think they are negative. I think they can serve a purpose. Done right, they can serve a purpose of of of, of being able to to push a person. Um, Done right, exactly. The right way to tell this story would be to tell a balancing story and to talk about how the fact is that your emotional reaction to a tremendous loss is okay, whatever it is. That would be a wonderful teaching. And if you want to show the range of emotions, and you want to show on the one hand we're small. And his ability to meet with somebody, and on the other hand, someone else who fell apart and couldn't talk to anyone for three days, that would be a teaching moment. But on its own, as some sort of paradigm, I mean, we're going to have to agree to disagree here, I think, but on its own, as some sort of paradigm of the way things should be, the way we should aspire to be, I just think it fails tremendously. Uh, again, I, I'm going to definitely rethink, and I'll be I'll be more much more careful when I respond now uh, to your to your memes. You know, again, I'm used to you know we live in an era where you know, hey, what do you think about this? You know, I didn't realize that uh, that I would be the one that would be uh, subjected uh, to this sort of uh, dissection. But I'm I'm, I'm always happy. Uh, to bring Rabbi Skase uh, into any sort of conversation, especially something that you feel so passionately about. And uh, that is really, again, always crucial because we know one thing, uh, a dispassionate 
is, is something when it comes to Derek uh, Eretz in terms of another person. But when it comes to teaching, the most effective way is to be able to show that you live with it, that you care for it. And, and clearly, that is something that uh, we probably need to meld together with our Sipurimaisias as our passion and our authentic belief in what it is that we're saying. Thanks a lot again. We'll catch you again. Hopefully, now that you're going to be part of our on-principle stable, maybe we'll catch you again uh, soon enough. Be well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 